Welcome into another edition of Home Run Throwback. Jim Morris, joined us by Ethan Freeze. And how are you tonight? Jimmy, I've got an internal conflict with time right now. Because on one hand, I need this week to pass so we can get to this weekend of football because it looks so good. But on the other hand, I have so much content in my head for Broadway Sports Media and so little time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're, we're cranking stuff out. Obviously, it's our second podcast this week. Uh, so check that out. Home Run Throwback, wherever you get your podcasts, search that out. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Morris MCM. Easton is at Easton Freeze. Uh, we were joined tonight by Chad Withrow. Um, so nice of him to take his time to join us. Uh, we got into a lot of good topics with him. Uh, you know, what this, where this Titans team ranks in terms of hi- historic teams. And I, I know I'm a little bit more into that than Easton is just having been here for the, for the whole run of the Titans and to Chad's similar in age to me. So um, good conversation there. And then talking about, you know, Ryan Tannehill's legacy, Julio Jones, I mean, all those things. We touched on all this stuff with Chad. Yeah, we had a good time talking to him. And uh, we got like just a reminder. If you have not seen our episode from earlier this week on Monday, we had Mike Keith, voice of the Titans. Go check it out. Great conversation today. We've got Chad on the show. Great conversation. You're about to listen to it. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, we've got a number of the, the F words podcast came out earlier this week. Uh, Keith Bullock came on the Music City Audible podcast that came out yesterday or today, rather this morning. Yes. Yeah. Go listen to that. Um, I had Buck Rising on my show, The Titans 10. I've got Paul Kaharski on my show tomorrow on The Titans 10. Uh, Zach Lyons of Football and Other F Words and I are going to sit down on Friday morning. A Friday morning pod uh, will be coming out previewing the entire divisional round. We've got a ton of audio content for you here at Broadway Sports Media. So check it out. Get ready for the weekend. Huge weekend for the Titans. They win this and they're a single game away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I mean, so much to get to this week. So many things to talk about. So check out, like you said, our, our, our episode with Mike Keith. Home run throwback, F-Words pod is, is obviously always great. You see Audible with, with Keith Bullock, so so many good things to check out. So with all that being said, without further ado, we will get to our interview here with Chad Withrow. All right, we're very pleased tonight to be joined by Chad Withrow of Outkick 360. Chad, how are you tonight? Doing great, guys. Always fun uh, to talk a little football and maybe even a little life with you guys. I don't know the direction this podcast is going, but... Uh, if we need to kind of reset and then talk life, we can do that as well. But it's, it's fun to talk to you uh, regardless of the setting. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start off, um, you know, this team, I mean, I, I feel like this team has a legitimate ch- chance to make a Super Bowl run. Um, obviously, I'm a fan. So, I mean, but I, I feel like try to be pretty reasonable with those thoughts. Last year, you just didn't feel like that team really had a chance because the defense was so bad. Um, this team, I mean, there's a lot of questions still that we have to see with guys coming back, how healthy they are and, and all those types of things. But um, how would you compare? I mean, you've been here for the whole run of the Titans. I mean, you're, you've been here your whole life, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. So you've been here for the whole run. You were here in, in 99, 2000, 2008. How would you compare the, I guess, buzz around the city about this team to those other teams that were – so good when they first came here. You know, even uh, going back to 2008, I, I, I immediately think about that season because remember that was the last team to be unbeaten that year. And things started to kind of fall off at the end of the season. And even though they were the number one seed, it, it felt like you were more hoping 
uh, for a Super Bowl run than anything else and not realistically thinking about it as an option. Uh, the first Super Bowl run, I mean, I, I was in high school when that happened, and that was just uh, uh, magical. No one saw that coming. You know, they're hosting a wild card game against Buffalo, and we know what happened in that game. And then they just destroy Peyton Manning and the Colts on the road. And then they get Jacksonville for a third time and beat him a third time for the season. Uh, it was just a magical run that really, you know, it made Steve McNair and, and Eddie George, those guys, legends in the city of Nashville uh, when all that went down. But no one really saw that coming. They come back the next year, and that's where you start thinking, okay, this is going to be a regular occurrence where the Titans are going to be one of the best teams in the AFC every year. And boom, they lose in the divisional round uh, after getting home field advantage and getting a bye, and they lose to Ray Lewis and the Ravens. Um, it's tough to really, uh, Jimmy, compare this team to any of those because, I mean, you're right to realistically believe this team could win a Super Bowl. They're the number one seed in the AFC, and you look around and you see Kansas City and you see Buffalo. Uh, these are all teams that could win the Super Bowl. So they beat these teams. You know, they're the number one seed for a reason. It's not just because some scheduling quirk. They went head-to-head -head and beat these two teams also. So I absolutely believe the Titans have what it takes uh, to not just make it to a Super Bowl, uh, but win a Super Bowl. So it's a very it's, – it's an odd but very different feeling I have about this Titans team compared to some of the other great teams that we've seen that did well throughout the regular season and came into the playoffs with, with some sort of momentum. Well, let's hey, not compare – oh, real Jimmy. quick. I was just going to say real quick. Um, I think the difference in this team – is it's it's probably the most complete team they've had when they've been this good. Um, I mean, you know, we, we remember yep. Steve McNair and, and Eddie George and those offenses as being really good. Um, I, they weren't that good, really, in 99-2000. I mean, you know, they, they ran the ball well. McNair was starting to come into his own, but that was, I mean, you know, before – before that run in 99, there was, there was still a handful of people in the city that thought Chris Chandler should be the starter. Um, and so that was a very much a, you know, it was a, it was a defensive team. It was a team that you felt like if they got down by a couple scores, they were going to be in trouble. So I think about 2018, I mean, 2018 was really good, but it was really good because of Albert Hainsworth, because of Kyle Van and Bosch, um, those guys. And again, it was kind of that deal where, I mean, you had Kerry Collins playing quarterback who, you know, did a nice job, but wasn't going to put a team on his back. It feels like this team is – I don't think they're – I know their defense is not as good as those defenses were, but their offense is a lot better, and the defense is good enough. So, I mean, I don't know. Just looking back at that, like, you know, like you said, 99 was magical. Nobody expected that. And then we all expected them to go back to the Super Bowl in 2000 because it was first year here. They were better in 2000. And then that didn't happen – this feels like the first team since those teams that you really – because even two years ago when they made it to the AFC Championship game, you still felt like that team was pretty flawed. Um, you know, they, they weren't fast enough on defense to, to really keep up with the Chiefs if it, if it was kind of an even game. And I don't know. This team just feels more complete than any of the teams that they've had to this point. You know, and when I really started to think that this team may be a very different in a good way was when I, I thought they did even better than just tread water. Uh, when Derrick Henry went down and when A.J. Brown went down. You know, they, the first game without Derrick Henry, they go to L.A. on Sunday night and beat the Rams, which was oh, shocking yeah. to me. Uh, did not expect that at all. That's when I started to think, okay, this team's got the makeup of more than just one player. And Derrick Henry is the most important player 
on the team. He's the most important player of the offense. Don't get me wrong, but they can do it a number of different ways. And you couldn't really say that about past great Titans teams. You know, 2008, when Chris Johnson goes down in that game against Baltimore in the playoffs, you know, you know they're doomed. I mean, that was their offense was Chris Johnson that year. Um, I don't feel that way about this Titans team. Now, if they're going to win the Super Bowl, uh, they need as healthy a possible complement of players that starts with Derrick Henry. And we all know that going into it. But I think you're right, Jimmy, in that there's so many guys on this team. And coming into this season just thinking, if they could just be average on defense, they'll have a chance. Not only are they average, it's a top 10 defense. It's a top 10 pass rush. They've been very good. That's something you can rely on. And the offense hasn't been as good. A lot of that due, due to injury, but the offense hasn't been as good as we expected. And, and they still sit here with the number one seed, a bye getting ready to host Cincinnati. Uh, it really is remarkable. And I, I think this team could be special. Um, I, I think it starts Saturday night, obviously. And I know Jonathan Hutton has talked about this on, on our show, Outkick 360. And he says, this first game is the most important. Uh, because of the history with the Titans in, in this game, hosting this game. But just to get into the playoffs with a team that's already faced playoff pressure once, to get through this first game, he has a lot of confidence moving forward if they can just get through this first game. But uh, there is definitely a different vibe around this team. Well, let's not, let's not compare them to those, those teams in 2000 and in 2008. Um, let's compare them to the last two Titans teams to make the playoffs, the last two seasons, right? And I think that you get a, a pretty nice dichotomy of um, playoff teams that tend to succeed versus playoff teams that tend to exit early in the last two seasons. It's often talked about and, you know, it's overlooked a bit, I think, just because it's an obvious point, but you have to be peaking at the right time. And you see teams like Pittsburgh last year, Arizona this year, Teams that get hot in September, October, and they peter out and they have a really disappointing end of the year. And then you see teams like Tampa Bay last year. They come out of their buying week 13. They win seven straight and win the Super Bowl as a wild card. You see the Titans two years ago, a wild card team that goes on a run and is leading the Kansas City Chiefs by by a touchdown at halftime in the AFC championship game. And then you see a team like last year's Titans, which they didn't necessarily peter out a ton at the end of the regular season, but you did see them start out with five, six games in a row. They won and they were, they were pretty dominant in the beginning of the season. And that defense, the the limitations became pretty clear and they, they had an early exit in the playoffs. I think this year's team is kind of hard to evaluate whether or not they're in the peaking too early or peaking at the right time category, because the injuries just make it impossible to to find that that designation, right? Because this team, they have so many guys back now that they didn't have as as recently as two, three weeks ago. So to say that they're um, peaking because they have these guys back, well, we haven't seen it, right? We, we, we know what it can be on paper, but we haven't seen it. So what do you think, in, take that where you will with it. Do you think this is a team that could be, peaking these next two games do you think they are peaking yeah I I think they could be uh let's go back to last year for the for comparison's sake yeah you remember that I think it was the second to last game of the season they went up to Lambeau and just got housed housed and they they look like an absolute fraud and that's where I started watching the 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 Titans and thinking something's just off 
mm -hmm. uh, with this team. I, I know they won the final game of the year. Uh, they go into that game in Baltimore. And they just didn't play well. I mean, it happens. Uh, Tannehill was bad. Uh, they they stopped Derrick Henry in that game. Corey Davis uh, didn't it was, exist. It was not a good game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was – look, credit Baltimore in that game, but it just was not a good game uh, for the Titans. And you, you kind of felt something was off. This year, starting with that 49ers win, uh, where they looked like they were doomed in that game to start and to yep. battle back, to win that game against a good 49ers team who, oh, by the way, they're in the final four of the NFC right now. Um, that was huge. Then to come back and destroy – I mean, that was similar to the way the Packers handled the Titans last year in the second to last game. Absolutely. What the Titans did to the Dolphins in that game was impressive. And then it wasn't very impressive against Houston uh, in the second half, uh, almost blowing that lead. But they did what, what, it, what they had to to win that game and get the number one seed. So I think you, you compare last year and the finish of the season and what was going on then to that that three pack that I just mentioned going into this postseason with the rest with Derrick Henry completely ready to go probably could have played if they if he had to against Houston didn't really need need him got the extra rest um, it's a team that's going to be feeling as good as they felt in a long time with that extra rest knowing Mike Vrabel is really good uh, with extended rest there I have a very different feeling I'm I don't go into this as someone who follows the Titans thinking the Titans fan base or this team should be nervous in any way about signs they've shown throughout the end of the season, the latter part of the mm. season. I look at it thinking, just go in and take care of business, and this team's going to be hosting an AFC championship game. Y'all had a really interesting discussion today on your show, Outkick 360, about Ryan Tannehill, kind of his legacy – um, you know, a lot of times when you get down to what we're left with, you, like you said, the final four teams in each conference, um, it, it's very quarterback dominated. And that's, you know, the, the case this year as well. Um, you've got, you know, obviously in the, just in the AFC, you've got Mahomes and Josh Allen on one side, and then you've got, you know, Burrow, the emerging star uh, against the Titans here. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill, those of us who have watched this team for the last two years know how good he's been, know how important he's been to the offense. But the national narrative very much is that it's all Derrick Henry, that Tannehill can't have any success without Derrick Henry. And I thought, like I said, I thought the discussion y'all had today was really good because there are a few different ways that this could play out. I mean, you know, if, if they come out on Saturday and – they, they need Tannehill to make plays to win and it doesn't happen and they lose again, then, you know, obviously that's kind of where, where his legacy will, will start to go or will continue to go really. Um, there's a scenario where Derrick Henry runs wild in the playoffs. They win the Super Bowl, and yeah, he won a Super Bowl, but he doesn't really take that next step forward into, you know, the, the group that everybody talks about as elite in the NFL. And then there's a scenario where, you know, he makes a bunch of plays, and Derrick Henry's good, but, you know, not dominant. And then he can kind of take that step forward. Well, how do you see this playing out for Ryan Tannehill? And what do you think the most likely of those three outcomes is? You know, I, I think any – look, if Ryan Tannehill takes this team to go win a Super Bowl, I really think any criticism of Ryan Tannehill about whatever he did to win that Super Bowl is ridiculous. Uh, for, for this reason – I'm not comparing Ryan Tannehill to Peyton Manning uh, when I talk about this, but I'll bring up Peyton Manning as, as this example. You so know, Chad Manning, thinks that Ryan Tannehill is Peyton yes, Manning. Yes, Continue. Yeah. 
put that on tape. Uh, everyone should know that they're the, they're pretty much the same guy. That's the clip but, we're pulling from this. Yeah, we're absolutely. But in all, in all seriousness, so, you know, Peyton Manning, the start of his career in Indy, uh, great statistically. Well, the very beginning was bad uh, with a bad team, much like we saw with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville this year. But statistically very good, just couldn't get over the hump. You know, couldn't go to Foxborough and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, didn't have a defense that would help him out. Well, the moment the Colts had Bob Sanders emerge – and, uh, and these guys, uh, uh, Mathis also, you know, they had these players, uh, Dwight Freeney, these players that emerged for the Colts, and they had a defense. Well, what happened? Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, they, they beat uh, – they, they, first off, they get a home game against New England. They win the home game in the playoffs, and they go and they beat the Chicago Bears for the Super Bowl. And I don't really remember people saying – well, you know, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl, yeah, but that's because his defense was finally good. Let's see Peyton Manning go out there and, and win a Super Bowl without a defense because we all know, you know, that happens so often uh, where you have uh, uh, quarterbacks that can do that. I mean, that's kind of the same thing with, with Ryan Tannehill, right? Because if you, if you didn't like Peyton Manning, you're always going to find a reason to say, well, Peyton Manning only won a Super Bowl or only did this because of this reason. And I think Tannehill is a little bit in the same category because if you are someone who believes Ryan Tannehill in Miami is the, the bulk of his career, and that is what he is, he's not going to be any better, he'll always revert back to that quarterback, then you are going to believe that the Tennessee Titans winning a Super Bowl this year, if that happens, is only because of Derrick Henry and only because they found a pass rush this year or, or whatever the reason may be. And the reality is that if they win a Super Bowl, Ryan Tannehill is going to have to be very, very good. Now, he may not have to throw the ball 45 times uh, the way Mahomes might or Aaron Rodgers even in a game, and that's because they're not going to ask him to do that. He may throw the ball 18 times a game, but he's going to have to make some very big-time throws within those 18 for the Titans to win a Super Bowl. And part of the discussion we had that I know you heard today, Jimmy, was what happens when Derrick Henry isn't an option? What happens when, just like last year against Baltimore, they turn the faucet off and it's not going to happen? They've got the game plan. They've got the players where Derrick Henry's not going to be that effective. Then can Ryan Tannehill turn it on and be a guy that can throw it all over the place and win a game for you? That, to me, is the ultimate question mark uh, that he's yet to answer. But I, I want to put this aside right now. If the Titans win a Super Bowl, it's going to be in part because Ryan Tannehill did his job and did it very well. And I think the criticism of Ryan Tannehill should probably go out the window at that point. And you can't just fall back on, oh, well, uh, Derrick Henry. Going back to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was terrible uh, with his injured neck, his final Super Bowl, right? But he got credit because he was a good game manager. He got them in the right play. And he let Von Miller and a great Bronco, Broncos defense go out and win games for him. And he's a two-time Super Bowl champion for that reason. We don't take points away from Peyton Manning for that. And just because the Titans have a great run game in Derrick Henry, if Tannehill's a Super Bowl champion, we shouldn't deduct points from him for that as well. Chad, there's a ceiling, I think, to what – speaking in terms of what Ryan Tannehill can change his reputation to be. Um, like you said, there are some folks that are just always going to see him as – Ryan Tannehill from the Miami Dolphins and first impressions matter for this very reason. Um, you know, some people are, are just always going to see him that way because that's how 
they saw him for the first three, four, five years of of his existence in their in their consciousness, right? But people have come around to the idea that he's a better quarterback, obviously, because he's been the comeback player of the year with the Titans. He's been a, a pro bowler. Um, this season, I think the people have been less willing to buy into that just because on on paper from afar, it looks like he's taken a serious step back when you know folks like us that to keep up with the Titans, we, we're aware of what has gone on here. What um, There's been a lot of extenuating circumstances that have led to his season not being as great as the past two, there are guys the last three, four, five years that have made it to Super Bowls, some of whom that have won Super Bowls that come to mind, Jared Goff, Jimmy G, Nick Foles, Matt Ryan. That's kind of the echelon of quarterback that I see him being able to, if, if the Titans were to go and win a Super Bowl and he were to you know, play a big part in that, obviously if they do win, he will play a big part in that. That's kind of the ceiling in my mind for where a Ryan Tannehill can be because by design, this offense is never going to look, even if Ryan Tannehill had the skill set of a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. If Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes were the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, under the circumstances currently, you wouldn't know that they're that talented because it's not the way the system is set up. It's not the way the offense works. Obviously, a good coordinator would change it to that skill set. But the point being, as long as Derrick Henry is around and as long as Derrick Henry is still considered an elite running back, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter what Ryan Tannehill does. Um, and, and he's going to always be seen as uh, kind of the sidecar guy or maybe an equal, but not really the MVP of the team. That aside, um, do you see them? It's an, it's an interesting idea. I, I've been thinking about what the Titans offensive game plan may be in this first game, in this divisional round game. The expectations um, from fans versus what the actual team and the, the Bengals, you know, game planning for them, I feel like they're kind of not on the same base, right? The fans as fans are want to do are, are kind of expecting Derek to come back to form because it's been a long time. Um, it's the whole return of the King, the hype, you know, he he's coming back. It's Derek Henry. He's the guy in the playoffs. He's the guy um, kind of discarding the fact that he's not going to be a hundred percent. There's just no way um, he's, you know, not going to be, as rusty as a guy coming in from an off season, but he hasn't played in two months, right? The idea that he's going to have a, a classic Derrick Henry hundred yard, two touchdown, 30 carry game. is just not realistic, especially when they have a guy in Deontay Foreman, who's a pretty good Derrick Henry uh, cosplay back there. He does a pretty good impression of Derrick Henry. And if you're going to, you know, give him 10 carries, it's not going to be a significant drop off. Do you think that the Bengals are going to be game planning for a Derrick Henry running game? And if so, I kind of am wondering if the Titans come out with a bit of a curveball and throw the ball around the yard a little bit, or do you think they may stick kind of stick to their guns and try the run game out at the beginning of the game? Look, I think if Derrick Henry is playing, you ride Derrick Henry. And I think the Titans will do the same thing. Now that doesn't mean, you know, you're going to run it into an eight man box over and over again. Uh, with limited returns, uh, you know, they still have a, a good play action game. They still have A.J. Brown. They still have Julio Jones, who I'm hoping will be healthy uh, for the first time in a while. You know, that hasn't done anything that now could be his time to step up and, and do something this season. It would be the perfect time uh, for that to happen. So these are all options for the Titans. But no, I, I look, I think if, if Derrick Henry is, is a go and we know that he will be uh, on Saturday, 
Um, if he gets out there and he's feeling okay, I mean, part of this is going to be psychological for him, and that's with any athlete coming back after a long layoff and, a, and an injury like that. Um, you know, it's it's if he's in there and he's wanting to go, the game plan always runs through Derrick Henry, and I, I think that'll be the case. And I, I fully expect Cincinnati to prepare uh, for Derrick Henry first and stopping the run. Now, Deontay Foreman should get some carries. You know, I don't think Derrick Henry should get the, 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 all of the carries or anything like that. He should get a majority. Uh, but, yeah, certainly mix Deontay Foreman in. And you mentioned those quarterbacks uh, that had made it to a Super Bowl or won. And uh, it struck me that the, only one of the quarterbacks you mentioned, I believe, won the Super Bowl. The other ones made it. And the one that won it, I think, is the worst of the bunch. He is. He absolutely oh. is. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, you go through that list. I mean, I think Ryan Tannehill is better. Uh, maybe outside of Jimmy Garoppolo, I guess there's some argument there. Uh, but I think it's a good debate between Ryan Tannehill and, and Jimmy Garoppolo, who, who you would take. Uh, but I mean, I would take, uh, even then, I would take Ryan Tannehill over Jared Goff. Uh, I would take him right now over Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd certainly take him over Nick Foles. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you go down the list and, and you see some of the guys who've led their team to a Super Bowl, and certainly Ryan Tannehill uh, could, could make that happen. But Make no mistake about it. If Derrick Henry's healthy and playing, I'm giving the ball to Derrick Henry uh, and, and, and daring the other team to stop it. And I think that's exactly what the Titans are going to do. And, and also keep this in mind. Titans offensive line is a really, really good run blocking group. Fantastic. They want to run the football. You, you ask any offensive lineman, their first choice is to run the football because they get to fire off the snap. And that's fun for offensive linemen. It's way more fun than being in a backpedal and trying to pass protect against some of these guys going after the quarterback. Um, so I think that's going to be the preference of Derrick Henry. It's going to be the preference of the offensive line, and it's going to be the preference of Mike Vrabel. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. So you mentioned there uh, about Julio Jones and whether or not he's healthy or, you know, hopefully he's healthy for the first time all year. There was quite a bit of Let's talk, talk Julio Jones. Yeah, there's quite a bit of talk leading into the Texans game about Julio and, you know, the value of that trade and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, I mean, if you look at it as, as we sit here right now, the it's not, it wasn't a good trade for the Titans, right? I mean, it, when, when the Titans, when it was announced that the Titans were trading for Julio Jones, we were all really excited, um, you know, get that guy opposite AJ Brown, you know, all those things. Now we know what's gone down, but I, I mean, you know, the funny thing is, so he went, what five for 58 and a touchdown against the Texans. And now uh, huge numbers. Much, yeah. There's so much talk about he's, he's back. He's ready. And, and I mean, there, there are some reasons to, you know, to look at what he did in that game, even in addition to, to the catches and, and whatever that to show some signs of, of him being able to play a little bit, but what does, what does Julio need to show in this run for the, yeah, I mean, people evaluate trades different ways, but what do you think Julio needs to show in this playoff run here to bring back good value for what the Titans gave up to get him in a second round pick and the fact that they're paying him $15 million or whatever it is this year? You know, I, I think another performance like we saw in Houston, uh, I, I don't think it has to be anything crazy. I think what, what would you say? Five for 64, a touchdown and some big third down conversions uh, on those receptions. I mean, he's going to need to make, you know, a, a Julio Jones like play or two in, in this playoff, what we hope is a playoff run. 
Uh, if he does that and the Titans get to a Super Bowl, or they, especially if they win the Super Bowl, look, I don't think there's going to be a single person saying, I, I regret the Julio Jones move if this team can win their first Super Bowl. Uh, heck, if this team's hosting their first AFC championship game, there's going to be a lot of people saying, I would do it again uh, with Julio Jones, even if the return wasn't great. I joked with Paul, who kind of got all this, this hubbub started with his question to Julio Jones, that he missed his opportunity when Julio was actually playing well to say, you're welcome, Titans fans. I, I properly motivated Julio Jones, and now you're getting this out of him. He, he could have made a, a funny <laughs> joke out of it, uh, but I think he was taking it kind of serious with some of the hate he was getting uh, from people on it. Well, some I mean, of the hate look, he was getting was serious. Yeah, yeah. And then that's that, that, some of that stuff is just whatever. But, any, I mean, look, Julio Jones has been a disappointment so far. Everybody knows it. Julio Jones knows it. But if there's one guy uh, on this roster, if you're pointing to someone that could be a, a hero in a playoff run that hasn't done much this year, it's not Anthony Ferkser. You know, go down the list of guys. It's not – it's Julio Jones. That is the guy who could emerge to do something. Now, this season, if we're just taking the evidence from the season, we've got to guess and say probably not going to be him based on experience with the Titans. But he is capable – is he healthier now? If he is, then it's, it's definitely something to watch. And I think if he could just replicate that performance in Houston, uh, Titans fans would be very happy with that. Here's what you got to hope for as a Titans fan from Julio Jones. I think you need to, him to look like these other guys around the league in recent years have looked in big spots in the playoffs. There's a couple that come to mind, right? You had OBJ go out to L.A. this year, was kind of quiet for the regular season. First playoff game, Monday night, this past Monday night, he was their leading receiver. Had 40-yard pass in the game, completed that set him up for a touchdown. Was, was, was a pivotal part of that offense when it counted. You see guys like A.B., who is uh, you know gone now, but last year, he and Leonard Fournette were guys that were kind of rentals for that Buccaneers team. Came in regular season and eh, whatever in the playoffs, they're going crazy. And both of them get a touchdown in the Super Bowl in which they eventually win. Right. You need these guys to to show up when it counts. And when you have these big names come in and, the, and Von Miller with the Rams the other night was the, his best game all year. And, and he was a, a guy that they traded for. You need Julio Jones to have a game in the playoffs on Saturday. You need him to have a catch or two. Like you said, like you said, Chad. He's got to have a catch or two that makes you say, yeah, you got to have Julio Jones for that one right there. And that's that's why they have him. And that's where it pays dividends, because I don't think there's anything he can do in these playoffs that that, you know, even if the Titans win the Super Bowl in the next three games, he can't do enough to to offset the fact that he was a non-factor in the regular season. He's just got to do something that makes it makes it worthwhile in the end because you got the ring or you, you got so far. And you can build off of that into next season, right? Well, the, the ultimate goal, and look, the Titans are in uh, win-or-else mode right now. I mean, the ultimate goal is to get off the schneid and win a Super Bowl uh, for this franchise who hasn't won one as the Houston Oilers or the Tennessee Titans. So I disagree with you because if they win the Super Bowl, it's, it's worth it. Now, it doesn't make up for no production you know, for the most part during the season, but no, it makes it worth it. I just mean, it can't make up for that lack of production. Yeah. 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 From, and from a Titans perspective that they would be looking at more like, okay, he was a pivotal piece when we got into January and he made some plays. First off, he made some plays in Houston, 
to get the number one seed, which helped propel this franchise to only two wins to the Super Bowl. And then he made some spot plays in there uh, to help us win a Super Bowl. If you're John Robinson, you're looking at it that way because the end justifies the means at that point. And the Rams are a great case study because they are the go for broke team this year. Mm-hmm. You know, they have sacrificed draft picks. They have gone all in on Von Miller, on OBJ, uh, on other players that they've brought in. They are looking at this like, hey, uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, even before yep. that, we are constructing a team to win now. And we are putting it out there that it is Super Bowl or bust. The Titans aren't really built that way. You know, Julio Jones is the one acquisition you'd say is kind of a go for it move that has not worked out for them, but they are in a position where there's going to be some contractual and age decisions to make this off season. So from that perspective, you can't be looking at this, like let's say Cincinnati's looking at their possible run right now saying, well, if we don't get it this year, we got about an eight to 10 year window with, with Burrow and chase and these guys where we could really make one of the oldest teams in the league. Yeah. And then, and Cincinnati's saying we're the opposite, you know, our, our core and our skilled guys are all very young and we can make a long run here uh, over a number of years. Titans can't look at it that way. This is a, this is a win now type proposition uh, for the Titans for the Rams also because they've leveraged so much in some of the moves they've made. Uh, but I, I'm really fascinated to watch both those teams, NFC and AFC, uh, from that perspective. But make no mistake about it. I mean, this is a Titans team that needs to win right now. They are the number one seed. We all know this doesn't come around that often. Now is the chance. They are better than Cincinnati. Um, I think it's a toss-up with them against Kansas City or Buffalo in Nashville. But you'll take that. A toss-up to go to the Super Bowl is where the Titans should be a week from now. And if that's the case, I, I think I think Titans fans would like to play with those odds. Yeah, Chad, you say you're excited to watch both of those teams play until you realize that we're on a uh, we're on a collision course for a Rams Titans Super Bowl that's just total Groundhog's Day. We're going to relive 22 years ago. It's not going to dawn on people until they're both in the in in the conference championship. But it's going to be the just the creme de la creme of of feel good uh, human interest stories. Uh, people pulling for a rematch of that game. I would root for Jeff Fisher to do the narration of uh, the opening montage. Yes, he should be the the guy with the coin. T- the coin toss should be two yeah. Jeff Fisher faces on a coin, uh, and then he Jeff should maybe Fisher maybe he's head official. Captain, meet the captains at midfield. They have the ceremonial <laughs> coin toss. Uh, yeah. He's in, instead of paying some you know Hollywood celebrity to do the voiceover, you get Jeff Fisher to to voice it over in the beginning. I, I'm all for that. Also, let me say it's hilarious that Easton's the one bringing that up because I don't think he was alive when that happened. So, yeah, how dare you? How dare you? I was one years old. I was one years that. old. I watched that game. I don't remember a look of it, but I watched it. Easton's watching a lot of uh, NFL films. I yeah. Guess. Catch up on yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing the history of the game is good. Look, I like yeah. going back and watching those old America's games of the teams <laughs> in the 60s and 70s where I wasn't alive. Oh yeah, uh, to see them to see them play, but it's it's good to it's good to know your history, Easton. That's 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 a good job by you. Such a young Just a guy. historian of the game. That's there right. you go. That's right. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, one, I will say that I think the way that they've managed Julio this year has always been with eyes towards the end of the season slash playoff run. Um, you know, I, I go back to that game in Pittsburgh where he plays the first half, doesn't play the second half. And you're like, oh, no, you know, hamstring again. He's going to be out for a week, a couple weeks, whatever. And then he comes back on that Thursday on a short week, practices all week, and plays in that game. 
And so to me, this has always for them with him been about what can we get from him in January, January slash February, hopefully. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, they would never say that, obviously, but that that's what this has looked like to me. Um, and then one other thing that I would say just on all of that is this this team, like you said, it, it's it's one of the oldest teams in the league. And in some ways, it doesn't feel like that. But at the same time, like I've always kind of thought that this window that they're in right now is a Derrick Henry window, right? I mean, as this team is built to run, the offense is built to run through him. Now, obviously, you know, it hasn't worked out that way this year, and they've been able to win games without him. But the way this team is constructed, I think they're going to have to do a lot of resetting once he's gone. And, and they kind of try to, I mean, especially now when you've, we, when you've tacked on Julio as your, what, third best offensive player behind Henry and, and A.J. Brown maybe. Um, you know, there's going to have to be, there's going to have to be a reset once that window for Henry is closed. And so, and, and they, they haven't drafted well, the top of drafts to, to, you know, to set that up, but that's another thing for another day. Um, one, another question I have for you is, you know, looking forward, like say the Titans win against the Bengals, you have that chiefs bills game that's going to happen. Who would you rather play? Chad, mm-hmm. if you're the Titans, because I mean, I've gone back and forth a lot on this. I mean, I like, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is better than Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen at times has, has looked a lot better than Patrick Mahomes this year. Um, but I, I kind of go back and forth. I don't, I don't really have a good answer to this question. But if you're in that building, who are you hoping wins that game, assuming the Titans win on Saturday? First off, it's awfully optimistic of you to think that uh, the Titans had this plan to you know, just put Julio Jones, uh, you know, completely on the shelf all season just to rest them to be a secret weapon. And I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> well, I'll talk okay, about this. Me, I don't I'll, think I'll, I'll say like, yes, is, is part of the goal. If you're John Robinson or Mike Vrabel is, Hey, look, you know, old guy, you know, if you're Mike Vrabel, I was a veteran in the league. Let's just get you to the finish line. You know, let's make sure we don't do anything to not get you to the finish line. I mean, yeah, I think that's in the back of your mind, but they also were hoping for a healthier Julio Jones. I, mean, I, I, make, I make no mistake about that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. But I think once they got him here and kind of assessed the situation, I think they knew that if they were going to have him at all in in January, February, that they were going to have to give him some breaks during the season. Because, I mean, if you go back and look at this, and listen, I, I've said a million times, like I'm an Alabama fan, huge Julio guy. He's been my favorite player in the league that wasn't on the Titans for years. But – when you look back at, I mean, I can't remember at what point he went out last season, but he had all that time in the offseason to get ready. He makes, he has what, two or three practices in training camp goes down. We don't see him for, you know, weeks until the, the first game. And it's, it's kind of been in, in and out with that. I think they realized at some point that if they were going to, if they were going to have him late in the season, they were going to have to manage his reps throughout the year. I think they were obviously hoping for more. But I think once they got once he got here and they saw him, I think they kind of had to readjust what they were planning on doing. Yeah, maybe. But I, I yeah, would yeah. still it, with with true serum, they would say they're disappointed and that he. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he he's got a chance to do something here now if if he's healthier uh, moving forward. And, and I don't want to end on a sour note here, but the Titans will have to pay the piper uh, for some really bad draft picks uh, from from John Robinson, and that's coming sooner than Titans fans believe right listen now. i'm i'm one of the guys that gets killed on twitter for that because like he has not done he's done well mid to late rounds and that has saved him in in a lot of ways 
But like this offensive line is going to have you to be rebuilt. You can't whiff on offensive and tackle back to back drafts. Back to back years, first and second. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and not 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 pay. Now hang on. Did you see Dylan Raiden's in that San Francisco game? It was an All Pro performance. Yeah, the bravery of of Dylan Raiden in that game to go out there and you know do do his job as a second round pick, and they were barely having to put two tight ends next to him to make sure that he was going to be okay the whole game. Yeah, don't get me started on that. But again, I don't want to be overly uh, sour on that because that's in the future and it's going to be painful when it happens, but it's going to happen pretty soon. But for this Titans team, the number one seed, getting back to the the positive side of the Titans here, um, who would I want the Titans to play for them to have success? It's still, to me, Buffalo. I mean, I think since we started to see Kansas City figure things out defensively, really after, you know, I think they lost here in Nashville bad. They looked like they, they were a lost team at that point. They did 24 like to three figuring things out. Right. Mahomes was bad in that game. Just a really bad outing. I think they had another bad game after that. If I'm yep. not mistaken, then they started to write the ship and figure things out from that point on. I mean, I, I still think this is Kansas city's conference to lose uh, having won the, the conference the last two years and gone to a super bowl. Um, so if I had my pick, I, I'd rather see the Buffalo bills uh, in Nashville uh, than the Kansas city chiefs. But um, oh, excuse you know, me. No correction. This this Sorry. Sorry. Uh, two years ago when they went and won, uh, they lost to the Titans in the regular season that year. And then they didn't lose another game the rest of the year, including running over the Titans in the conference championship game. This year, they lost to the Titans in the regular season and uh, did not lose another regular season game until they played the Bengals. Uh, oh, so, wow. so, so they started it the week after the Titans then. Yes. Yeah, so, the so yeah, the Titans woke them up both the times. Uh, yeah. Sorry to the rest of the NFL. Um, and let's hope it's not Groundhog's Day and they run over the Titans again in the conference championship game. We, we've watched that movie. Let's not see it again then. Let, let's see the Buffalo Bills. I'm with you. The championship this time. That, that's my pick. Well, I actually think the Buffalo Bills are maybe the scarier team in terms of their ceiling. Uh, there's there's a certain media member that I that I like to follow who refers to Josh Allen as Magic Mountain Josh Allen because he's just so up and down. And the whole team rides on his back. Right. I mean, the the Buffalo Bills at this point in the season, they go as Josh Allen goes. He's their running back one and their quarterback one. He's been playing great, but he's been really up and down this season. If he's at his best, I think like like in the wild card round, which which of those two teams performances, which impressed you more, Buffalo's or Kansas City's? Oh, Buffalo's. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I did not think I'd see the day where uh, a Bill Belichick team would just look that silly against yeah. someone. It was a perfect game offensively. So it was hands down Buffalo and Josh Allen. Yeah, exactly. I think at, at their at their ceiling, Buffalo is the scarier team, but I agree with you that they're the team you'd rather see. A, because I think Kansas City is more consistent. You also have a more experienced playoff team in Kansas City than Buffalo. Um, you've got, a, a I think, a better coach and a slightly better quarterback. But then also, you aren't the gatekeeper then to the Super Bowl, it, the the pressure of the rest of the NFL does not lie on your shoulders at that point, because if the bills come to town, at least if you lose, it's the bills getting to the Super Bowl. It's not uh, people aren't mad at you about it. The bills are a team that's easy to root for. If the chiefs come to town, if you lose, everybody's ticked off because nobody wants to see the chiefs in the Super Bowl again, man. Like, well, we, like, we also, you know, we talked about this today. I mean, Cincinnati is the media darling right now and, and rightfully so. Yeah. If I had no dog in the hunt and I was just an impartial football fan, you know, living in Bozeman, Montana, uh, I'd want Cincinnati to beat the Titans. Better story. I mean, Joe Burrow 
with all that swag, uh, fun to watch. Jamar Chase, a, a city that has They're a playoff game in, in 31 years. Um, I mean, I get it, you know, and the Titans are going to face that this week, and that's fine. I think the Titans love that, that they feel like everyone's rooting against them. And this You game. could argue they need that. And, and if they win and it's Buffalo in the next round, well, guess what? When Cincinnati loses, Buffalo becomes the darling to see if they can get to and win a Super Bowl. Bingo. Uh, with the fan, that fan base and that city and everything else. So the Titans do have a chance to, to face the, the national darling, not just media, but fan darling team back-to-back weeks here to get to a Super Bowl, which would be pretty fun to watch. Yeah. All right, Chad, we'll let you get out of here on this one. Um, this is a more of a, a, more of a broad question. Um, y'all obviously made the transition this past year from the local show on the radio to the more national uh, broadcast that y'all are doing on OutKick 360. Kind of talk to me about what that transition has been like and how do you – because, like, Personally, I miss the four hours of local content that we used to get from y'all because it was the it was the best show in the market. Um, nothing has emerged to replace it to this point. But what's it been like making that transition from you know being a, a, a very localized show to now covering more of the national uh, projects or whatever it is that y'all are doing now? You know, it's, it's been great. Um, th- there were a lot of times where, and, and, and I enjoyed, you know, the local show that we did, but there were days where I'm thinking, man, I guess we're going to come in and, you know, talk about Julio Jones for two of these four hours again, or we're going to talk about uh, that Tennessee Vandy basketball game and the fan situation Memorial Gym for an hour and a half. Um, and, and it can get a little bit uh, redundant. And, you know, what we're trying to do with our show, Jimmy, is so many of the national shows are so focused on the coast. You know, it's all about the Knicks, the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cowboys, obviously. Uh, also, that's not on a coast. But Go Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because you see how, where the focus is. And we're, we're kind of trying to serve a niche of let's be the national sports talk show uh, for everyone that's not on the coast, right? Let's be the sports talk show for sports fans all over the country uh, that can talk about teams on the coast, but also aren't going to spend too much time talking about LeBron and the Lakers or the Yankees, uh, for instance. And let's, and let's also focus it around football. You know, we are going to talk football every day of the year. I don't care if it is, you know, May 25th, we're going to spend a couple hours talking football, whether that be NFL or college football. So that part of it's been refreshing um, being able to, you know, talk about what we want to talk about, uh, local teams or national teams has been great, you know, not having to worry about, uh, our boss getting a call from someone that's upset with something we said about a local team. I think part of that is refreshing. So yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, we still, the final hour of the show really keep it localized the state of Tennessee. It, and during this run, it's been Titans, you know, it's been a little bit of Vols football mixed in tiny tiny little bit of Vols basketball really not not enough to even mention and then Titans that has been the final hour of the show so it's been good to keep that element of it so we can still you know drive our local uh, listeners to that podcast hour uh, to that portion of our live stream while also you know sort of transforming into this more national show where we're hopeful to pick up a lot of affiliates uh, all over the country here coming up this year. Yeah, well, it, it, like I said, it's been 
it's been interesting to watch the transition. And um, I mean, obviously, y'all have done a really good job with what you what you have, and I'm looking well, forward you. to seeing where it goes from here. Yeah, no, so, I, I appreciate it. We're, we're we're looking forward to it also. And you know what we always wanted when we were at the zone was the ability to be everywhere. Uh, all the time. And that was digital also, you know, it was podcast, it was live stream, it was radio, radio is still important to us now. Also, all of those things are important and uh, thankful for OutKick and Fox, you know, really jumping in immediately and, and not saying no to the idea of a radio network and, and signing up.